Welcome to Smack and His New Horizons Foundation podcast series. I am your host, Eric Anderton. I'm joined today by Ted Wasmer, the president and CEO of Artisan Display Incorporated, the premier supplier of high-quality custom architectural millwork to general contractors and building owners throughout the United States. And by Ernie P. Menold, vice president of Ernest D. Menold Incorporated, They have 75 years of experience as a sheet metal contractor, providing high-quality custom design, fabrication, and installation services of metal products. And Menold is a supplier to Artisan Display. And in this conversation, Ted and Ernie take a deep dive into the partnership that their two companies have formed over the past few years. We talk about how that partnership originated and how it is built on a solid foundation of cultural, operational, and strategic alignment. In this discussion, you're going to have a clear picture of why partnering with other companies is important, how to do it, what it looks like, how to overcome challenges associated with partnering, and how successful partnerships can have a tremendous positive influence on your bottom line. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Feel free to share it with other people who you think would benefit from listening. And now let's dive into our conversation with Ted and Ernie. Ted and Ernie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Uh, Ted, give us a quick introduction to yourself and your company, please. So uh, my name is Ted Wasmer. I'm uh, the president and CEO and principal of Artisan Display uh, Incorporated. We're an architectural millwork firm in the greater Philadelphia area. Um, We are a union participating firm, so uh, we're a member of the collective bargaining agreement um, in both fabrication and installation of uh, high-end architectural millwork. We're a full custom shop that handles everything from simple casework to elaborate and complex uh, architectural wall panel systems and different things like that. Um, we've been in business close start in 1988. We started in a garage with a table saw. Um, exciting, my brother and I. We are a veteran-owned small business. Um, I am a retired Army infantry officer. I retired out of the reserve component, so it's you know, uh, it's been hectic over the last 23 years. Um, you know, with the global war on terror, I've left a few times for deployments to Iraq and Kosovo and places like that. So, um, and that's that's pretty much it. Let me just ask a quick uh, question of you, Ted, you just go. as as you've given your background there. What is what is the one thing that you've learned from your involvement in the armed forces that translates effectively into business? Well, you know, uh, leadership. I mean, you know, it's. You know, you can be an entrepreneur, all right, and figure out how to make money in capitalism, but the really the thing for us is my greatest resource is my human resource. So I need to provide leadership and guidance for my organization. It's pretty much uh, one of the greatest things I've taken away. And accountability stops with me. That's great. And what's one thing that doesn't translate? Because, you know, I know a lot of contractors, we like reading extreme ownership and, you know, listen to Jocko and all the guys who've been out in Iraq and stuff like that. But what's the one thing yeah. that doesn't translate? I don't know. Um, that's a that's a really that's a good that's a good question. I you know it's 
it, it, well, it's a different world. It's a different, it's a different skill set, right? So other than the leadership aspect, the skill set of being an infantry officer and leading a combatant unit doesn't really translate to nowhere, right? So, um, you know, what I can take from it, I do take from it. You know, so again, it's 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 a position. It's servitude to my people, uh, providing guidance and uh, providing uh, relevance. Um, and you know accountability i'm accountable so that's great yeah that's ernie how about yourself give us an introduction to to who you are and what you do yeah um my name is ernie p mental um vice president of ernest d mental incorporated um fourth generation here at family business uh we've been around since 1947 we celebrated 75 years last year um we are union as well we're signed with local 19 sheet metal workers union um, but we do a lot more than just sheet metal. So while we do HVAC and we try to specialize in complex HVAC systems for exhaust, um, dust collection systems, um, a lot in the pharmaceutical sector, um, we have a fabrication shop here with the capacity and capabilities to service a lot of different types of customers. So we're heavily involved in the utility services sector, um, Pico being one of our largest customers and, and other utility services around the greater Philadelphia area. Um, and then, you know, with our relationship with Artisan, we do also do, we have the capabilities to do a lot of architectural work, um, which is I'm sure what we're Yeah, let's dive right in. So that. how did the relationship between the two companies begin? <laughs> so ties a little bit back to you, Eric. So I'm going to give you a plug. Um, we had Eric in to provide um, to give us a strategic direction. Um, we had a new leadership team here at our company, uh, made up of five of us. And what we wanted to do was, hey, how do we roll out some strategic initiatives company-wide? You know, how do we roll them out from a leadership group all the, all the way down so that, you know, we have some alignment on on what type of work we want to get. Um, you know, because we do lots of different type of work for lots of different types of customers, we needed some alignment of what type of work we going after. And, the one area we saw biggest opportunity for us that we would like to do more of is architectural. What we consider to be architectural is, is the way I'll refer to it as a sheet metal contractor. Um, and what I saw locally as an opportunity is to join GBCA, um, which is first the local organization started by carpenters here in Philadelphia. Um, and it you know, mostly was geared towards carpenters and GCs. And over the years, I started to see how much they were bringing in subcontractors and specialty trade. And so we joined that organization mostly in the hopes or thinking that we would be, you know, rubbing shoulders at events and things with things like uh, GCs and, and um, construction managers and hoping that we could, you know, start to put together bid packages for them. At our first event that we attended in, I believe, spring 2021, our project manager, Ludotomo, who heads up most of our architectural work, um, met Ted. And it just went from there. It was, for me, it was the right guy to meet the right guy at the right time. That's what it usually is, right? So, Ted, when, when you, when yeah, you, yeah, tell us a little bit more from your, your perspective, please. So I'm, I'm kind of giggling, right? Yeah. Um, it was, it was a fun meeting, to be honest with you. They sat us together. Um, the GBCA, um, we just joined it recently, too. And I did it as a strategic move because I would be in the same room uh, with all my customers in a social environment. And um, it gave me an opportunity to just get a network. Um, again, relevance, it's, uh, it's a big thing for me. You'll hear me use that word a lot. Um, 
you know, if, if I'm with them and I'm talking, I'm relevant, I'm there. Um, and you know, when we met, when I, when I met Lou, uh, he introduced himself and I'm like, Manolas, what do you guys do? He goes, Oh, we do architectural metal. I'm like, oh, I hate metal guys. <laughs> I've never found a good metal guy in my whole, I, and I haven't, it's always been a struggle for me. Like, you know, we'll, we find great guys, but like we go through this whole process of bidding and do this and do that. And, you know, um, and then when it comes time to execute, they're like, Oh, it's this much more money or we can't do that detail or it's going to, it was always a struggle. And Manolas is like, it's like the artisan of metal. Like, I, I don't know how else to put it. And the relationship has blossomed. Um, and I have to live up to expectations for them as my vendor and my partner. Um, you know, it's you'll hear me say I don't really like to use the term vendor or subcontractor or anything like that because we partner, right? And, um, you know, I have, to, I have to live up to their expectations and I have to provide – good detail and good stuff and make sure they make money. And it's just been a great relationship. I mean, Lou and, and Ernie and everybody just great. So tell us a little bit more about that idea of partnership. Um, just Ted, what do you mean by partnership as opposed to just, Hey, that is, I mean, that is a vendor or a sub. What do you, what, tell us yeah. about that. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> but the whole thing is, is like, right. Everybody looks the the, 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 I think the big problem or the trip fall for contractors is, in today's world, we all try to mitigate. We're all trying to mitigate risk. We all want to push risk to the mm. other guy. We don't want to ever assume mm. risk, right? Everybody's pushing risk. I don't want the risk. You know, I need an indemnity, indemnity clause to indemnify the general contractor from, you know, if something happens on the job site, you know, even if it's their fault, I it's pay when they get paid. No one wants to assume any risk anymore, right? And, 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 and no one, it was worried about other people making money, but like if you can partner with someone and you share that risk, right? You share, I, I want to share Ernie's risk. I want to make sure I provide good detail. I want to make sure I give him good guidance. I want to give him leadership. I want to say, Hey, this is what I need. And then I want to tap into what he does, his subject matter expert, right? He knows metal. I don't know metal. Teach me, show me, guide me. So I can go back to my client and give them the best possible product. Right. And and by doing that and bringing an in budget and making sure, you know, Ernie makes money, Manolds makes money, Artisan makes money. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming accountable to my employees because they then have a livelihood and also to my client. And I maintain a relevancy. Right. They're like, hey, let's get Ted. Let's get Ted and Ernie on the job. And, you know, it just happened. It just happened on a project. Um you know, and we were like, hey, Manol, it's boom, boom, boom. And they they helped us work out a problem for the client. It was a change order. We didn't make any money on it. It doesn't matter what we provided that service. So we, we did get equity. We got market equity from it, you know, and we did that because they're our partner. Well, if you treat them like a vendor, they're like, well, I can't do that. I don't have time. I can't help you. I, you know, it's, it's different. So they assumed some risk for us. And it just everyone ended up being successful. In the yeah, end. Give us your perspective there, Ernie. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to answer that one and, and touch upon, you know, the question we started off with, with how we started. When we, you know, we met Ted at an event and we decided to do a lunch and learn where we brought up um, <laughs> some hoagies. Sorry if that's not a... No, I think we all know what hoagies are. We're, we're okay. <laughs> all right. Submarine. Uh, guys I know, grind, grinder, grinder, whatever. Yeah, yeah. subs and grinders, <laughs> I know. Um, we call them hoagies. So for this lunch and learn, you know, 
we put together a deck and you know made it mostly architectural work and everything but they and we tried to just blast as many pictures but for some of the projects that we've been on our, for architectural we explained how the projects came to be hey we started this project because an architect had a crazy 3d rendering of something and they had no constructability knowledge of how they were going to fabricate it make it happen install it you know it was just a, a gorgeous looking um, rendering and that in my opinion is at that lunch and learn when you know light bulb kind of went off for for ted of hey we're we're speaking the same language here um we're going to come in with with those solutions early on and pretty much be a team and, you know as, as ted said we have a vested interest in each other um and and i think with that you know we aren't just a, a price to them even early on you know there was definitely you know to, to ted's point risk is is you know shoved down the the stream these days but and with all the estimating softwares coming out you know we're constantly bombarded we you know we could put 50 estimators to full time and you know maybe maybe you hit 10 percent of, of that work or earn 10 percent of that work but you're just a price out on the street and with a partnership you know you're giving we're giving price back to to ted but there's honest feedback you know we're working with artisans estimating department of Okay, you know these are these are budgetary numbers here, and you know sending in that price. Here's what we're thinking. You know, full transparency of our quote down to hours and everything. And hey, that seems pretty high. All right, well let's value engineer something more cost effective here. Let's bubble it up to the architect and actually come in on this together as partners to deliver that end client. You know what they exactly want at a price that's going to work. You know, Ernie, it kind of like I was using this this um, in a meeting today. I'm like. The two things is like I have to earn your work. I have to earn your business every day with my client, no matter what. Every day I have to earn your business, no matter how well I've done for you. But I also have to, I have to be responsible with your money, like with the client's money, right? So it's our job as subject matter experts to provide the best possible solution at the best reasonable cost, not the cheapest, not the cheapest, but the best cost, right? So they get the most added value, and that that's that goes back to working as partners. So. Yeah, for, you know, a nitty gritty example for us is, okay, Ted's customer and architect might be wanting something in bronze. Okay, do you know the square footage price of bronze? Let's just, we're going to, you know, right next to that price of material, we're going to give you what the cost of aluminum powder coated bronze a bronze color right. is going to compare to. And then right. let's talk numbers. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Ted, when when you began to, to build that relationship with Ernie and his company, as as the the customer, what are you looking for in terms of the way that people present themselves and the way they interact with you to make you think, I want to partner with this person or with this company? I want you to lean forward. You need to lean forward in the saddle. You need to be, you know, listen, I don't want you to be risk advert. Like, I don't, like, I... Like I don't want someone that's too risk adverse. I want someone that's willing to like put themselves out there and and try to get out of that box, right? So again, you'll hear me use the term relevance, right? What's going to make me more relevant than the other cabinet guy down the street? It's my ability to solve problems. It's my ability to bring solutions, again at a reasonable cost, right? Responsible cost um, to my client. It's my job to guide them. Not tell them what they can and can, what I can and can't do, but to guide them, and 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 it gets back to where I become relevant. Um, 
you know, I think a lot of times, you know, we get picked for projects because we're able to do them. You know, some people can't do them. A good contractor is going to pick his team before he even goes to bid because he's going to know who he needs to use. Um, and, and that's where I want to be, you know, in the market. So I'm going to pick those people that are like us, that have the same mentality, like Ernie, that aren't risk adverse, that are willing to take, you know, step out there and be that guy. Um, and, and you're not always going to win, man. Sometimes you get your butt kicked. <laughs> like, but, you know, if you're going to be a boxer, you're going to get a bloody nose. It's just going to happen. It's not if, it's when, right? It's going to happen. Let's talk about so, those bloody noses. Um, um, Ted, can, can you yeah. give us an example? You don't have to name names or anything of a company where you, you did have a partnership with them to one degree or another, but then that partnership soured for whatever reason. Can you think of an example of that? Well, I did, I did have a company I did a lot of work with, and they, and they went out of business. Um, it was a shame. Um, it had nothing to do with us, but it was a big supplier. Um, nah, I mean, uh, I, I, I had a client or a person that I worked with, uh, it was a carpentry firm and we provided, we partnered with them, it provided mill work and casework and stuff for them. And we went after jobs together and then they ended up, you know, starting their own company, uh, their own mill workshop, but they're now my competitor, or I should say co-competitor. Sure. I don't really call them competitor. Um, How about you, Ernie? Have you, you know, have you ever uh, gotten into yeah. sort of a partnership relationship with a vendor or a client and then that, that for whatever reason gone south? Yeah, definitely. I mean, 76 years old, uh, as a company, you know, we've, you know, outstanding invoices of, of companies going under, um, to kind of, I don't know, for us, we around here in house kind of call it our, you know, our stinker jobs and where we'll take on risk to meet something. And where I just want to share an example of, you know, where we'll take on risk and then, you know, can possibly bite us sometimes is, you know, in, in Ted and I's example as, as artisans, displays schedule can shrink in terms of installing their casework and us waiting to fabricate, you know, let's say support steel or whatever is our scope of work with their, with their casework as, as artisan schedule shrinks, so does ours. And while we'll sketch something in, you, you know, we use Autodesk Inventor to sketch a lot of our architectural, we'll sketch that up. We'll share it with artisan early and get, you know, approved drawings of, Hey, this, these drawings are approved. And then, but we'll, we'll wait to field verify those measurements. You know, we'll go out and make sure that what we have measured is what's actually out in the field. But as that schedule shrinks, let's say artisans team can't wait for our, our support still for, they can't wait for us to go out and field verify, Hey, this whole thing's got to just be done. Boom. We'll take on the, we'll take on the risk and say, you know what? You know, because as as they meet schedule and as they perform well, obviously that's good on us and, and, and going to reflect well with Ted's end customer. So we might make that support steal without having field verify, take on some risk, right? Risk, risk that we're well aware of. And, you know, if anything goes wrong with the partnership that we have, Ted knows we're going to have a mechanic out there, you know, that night, you know, if we get that call that it doesn't fit, we're going to have a mechanic out there, you know, with a welding rig. We're going to adjust it. We're going to make it work. Um, and that's that's kind of what you get with a partnership. You know, it's it's honest feedback that, hey, this schedule has shrunken so much that, you know what, we don't have time to wait for you to feel field verified. We're going to need it here. We're going to need to bang it. It seems to be more than norm now, doesn't it, Ernie? I mean, like it's 
it's I sat I sat with a client yesterday, a project executive, and you know we just handed over, um, and he knows what I'm talking about. I won't use names, but we just handed over a lobby aspect of a big multi-residential building, and he was talking to me about the amenity space, which was supposed to be turned over in September, and you know, great project, great, great, great project executive, um, all those kind of things. However, um, you know, he's like, what can we do different? And I'm like, well, not give me the space the day before, you know, because like, I have to feel verified. I have to do that. It's not like I, I'm custom, right? Like, you know, and, and like he said, that schedule shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and I was jokingly saying I should be a steel guy because I'm at the beginning of the project and I take my time. So, so let me let me address that. So, when there are issues of quality or deliverability or schedule, just like you've been describing, some of those are out of your control. Um, how does that idea of partnership work at that point? I I can take this one, but you know, this is actually Ted telling me. Um, we bumped our shins with something. And I remember the specific example and our, our project manager was in Ted's office the, the next day, you know, which is, I think from our shop up to Ted's is uh, maybe an hour or 10 minutes, um, you know, up north, northwest Philadelphia, unannounced, right, Ted? And, you know, it's, hey, let's sit down and, you know, he, he's, he, our project manager showed up there with, you know, a number of solutions of, you know, how we're going to fix what we did. Um, but I think with a partnership, you know, we show up and we have an egg on our face in terms of, hey, this doesn't fit, something's not right. There's not, you know, a screaming match of, no. of hey, this, this piece is, yeah, this piece is messed no. up. It's uh, both our companies yeah. are solutions driven enough that it's, hey, yeah. all right, you want us out with a truck? We'll come pick it up, bring it back. Do you want us to yeah. send a welding rig and we'll send two mechanics to fix it on site? It's already problem solving, and with a partnership, it's it's not that um, you know berate berating style that can tend to happen. Yeah, to show me someone that never makes an error, and I'll show you someone that's never really tried. Yeah, it's interesting because it it, it goes back to that idea of of picking the partners that you're that that you work with, or picking the people that you work with, and making sure that there's that alignment from a, uh, a cultural perspective so that you can actually partner with people and you're not getting into, so to speak, those abusive relationships that, that do tend to undermine the success of a company. I, I, I've had uh, relationships with contractors and I don't, I don't bid them anymore where they're screaming at you over like crazy stuff that has nothing to do with you. And you're just like, I actually talked to one of the project executives. I'm like, you really should reconsider what you do because this is no way to go through life. I don't bid them anymore. Yep. So it's just. And where we're parallel a lot and where Artisan is just fit for us as a customer is, you know, those, as I mentioned before, you know, those schedules as they shrink and, you know, our turnaround times to, to, you know, field verify, fabricate and either install or, or just supply to Ted's team. That's been situation normal for us as a company. Um, we do a ton of work, as I mentioned, for utility services, keeping the electrical grid running. If something happens at a substation, um, you know, they've been a customer ours for, for nearly six decades. We're used to getting those drawings onto our shop floor, you know, saying, hey, that job that you're working on is hot, but this is hotter. It needs to go out today. Um, so it's, it's fit for us, and it's, you know, we haven't had to adjust our operations for, 
for Artisan in terms of, you know, we don't have quicker turnaround times. It's, it's just another customer with deadlines that, that we are ready to What meet. are the limits of transparency in your relationship with each other? The dirty little secrets? <laughs> yeah, because you, you speak of trans... I mean, yeah, go I'm, ahead, Ted. I, I like I, I have nothing to hide. Like I, I share I'll tell you like you know, yeah, I'm I don't know. I mean I I don't I, I don't know. I just I don't I'm transparent. I just I'm not good at hiding stuff, so that's kinda uh yeah. I I would think a hard example of that is no cost change orders. You know, hey this wasn't in our original scope yeah. of work on a project, it's something extra hey, we're doing all right on it. You know, it's literally, it's an actual change order with a zero sum, um, just to reflect that there was a change of scope of work. And I think it's that, it's, hey, we're doing well on this. And, you know, what's nice about a partnership is, you know, if we were really bumping our shins with, with, with a project, you can absolutely call up Ted and express that. And, you know, know with a partnership, you're, you're in it for the long haul. There's going to be more jobs. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to um, do everything right all the time. We're going to make mistakes. My project managers are going to fall short. Um, I'm going to fall short. Um, you know, I like like you know, Ernie's saying, I I I give up money all the time in change orders because you know you can't always go back to the client all the time either. You know, because then they're just not going to want to deal with you. You got to. You know what I mean? You gotta, you just gotta take it and give it. Take it and give it. And it's when someone just takes and they don't give that you know, then it's just not a relationship you want anymore. Did you guys establish but, I mean, a, a formal sort of problem solving um, method when you come across issues, or or does it just um, change from project to project? Is it kind of a fluid, organic thing? Can you describe that a little bit? Lou. <laughs> we, I would speak from our end that. We made our project manager the main source of, of contact. Yeah, he is the main source of artisans' contact for estimators, on-site project managers. So, you know, estimators, hey, this is we want to put a budgetary pricing on something, or we even have IFC drawings, and we can put a you know a hard number on something. Um, down to on-site PMs that might be working with punch list things. You know, just you know, hey, we need another we need another forty feet of trim metal, and we need it yesterday. Um, that I think for us, our way of going about that is let let our project manager be account-based in that sense. You don't need to call our company um, landline and, and can be put on hold. You have one one contact. Yeah. And and support him in a, you know, we've, I would say as a company, we've supported him in a way that, yeah, if it is, you know, um, Lou might be on site somewhere, but we're going to support him if it's he's getting hit up by, you know, Artisans estimating. Um, he's got a team of estimators below him to help them put together. And Ted, how do you use this idea of partnership um, when you're when you're doing your business development and you're talking to your clients? How do you present that? Well, I, I you know, if 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 someone if someone has to refer to a contract, then you know, it's not like I just try to solve all the problems they need. That's that's really it. I'm there. I'm available to my clients. Um, I go to the job sites. If my men are working Saturdays and Sundays, I, I, I'm in there with them. I'm not necessarily working, but like, you know, I visit the job. I'm there. I, I, I have a presence. I, I want to make sure that they understand that like 
like I said, going back to that, I have to earn your business every mm-hmm. day. It doesn't matter how well I did yesterday, how well I'm going to do today's what matters, what now. Um, and I make sure my, my men see me, my men and women see me do that. You know, um, you know, it, it, it's tough. You just, you have to be the subject matter expert. That's just in what you do. You know, you want to be a foot wide, a foot wide and a mile deep. Um, you know, uh, you know, you don't want to be a mile wide and a foot deep. You want to be that expert in what you do. And Ernie, how has so. how has your the partnership that you've you've built with Artisan? How has that changed the way you look at business development and what you're looking for in the people that you partner with? I would say to get to the you know the business development part. What's awesome about it is you know as I might be focusing on you know hey let's we've got an area to grow our utility services or, hey, we're trying to create a backlog of more HVAC work with general contractors we've worked with before. As we might be focusing on that, everything everything Ted and Artisan is focusing on for, for business development, um, you know, we've because of the partnership, we kind of hitch our wagon to that, that it's, it's business development for us. And because we're a little, because we're different trades and everything, you know, there's there's no gatekeeping. If if you know we have a preliminary meeting with an architect, Artisan and Ted aren't aren't gatekeeping that that contact or that relationship or anything. So it's it kind of ends up just um, pollinating itself. Um, That's excellent. That way. And I might have missed this. I might have missed the second. No, I was just I was just curious just about how. Because sometimes what happens in, 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 in companies is that we, we have a successful business development activity, such as establishing a partnership that you have with Artisan. And then we, we don't necessarily double down on that. We don't necessarily say, oh, this is working well, and let's see if we can find other folks that we can partner with in a similar way. Yeah, I would, I would what we found is, to be honest, we aren't out there looking for other middleware yeah. companies to work for. Um, That's good. Artisan is, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny that you say that because I was just, you know, picking on, on what Eric said is that, like, you know, if it's a true partnership, I'm not going to hide, I'm not going to hide Ernie and Lou from my competitors, right? So, um, you know, it, you know, we were, I'm the president of the Philadelphia Architectural Woodworkers Association, and we had a meeting last night, and Visual and I were talking about, you know, about the uh, baseball night and Kevin Bushy from Visual, who, uh, you know, they're um, they're an exhibit mill workshop. Um, so, and we do a lot of work with Visual. And then, you know, all my other people were, you know, talking about Manolds like IDF and, and people like that. So, you know, it. Um, I, I don't want to hide, you know, I'm not going to hide him from other people because I compete with those people, believe it or not, even though we're in an association, they are my competitors and, and I compete with them to win jobs, right? So um, the better resources I have, the more competitive I become. But, you know, I don't want to do that to, yeah, with, and to Ernie. What, what Ted's mentioning there, we, we uh, host a customer event at the Philadelphia Phillies game each year. Uh, actually, the first <laughs> time we've had it um, since since before COVID. But rent out a, a good-sized space in the ballpark, have, have food and drink available, and invite, you know, uh, we got about 120 tickets. Um, for the area, and and Ted and his team from Artisan came, and um, as as Ted referred to them, you know, co competitors. What did you call? Them? I call them co competitors. I it, it's just because we yeah. cooperate sometimes, you know. Right, 
and, and we have we have the same thing on our you know our sheet metal side and um, I mean, it was it was a it was a pretty cool atmosphere for everyone to to hang out and you know ad, admit where the, they might be going after the same jobs and everything and and you know not not in a hostile way and you know sometimes I've industry. I've helped other companies with details that they didn't have the capabilities to do even though I bid on that job and at the end of the day didn't win it they were successful on being awarded it but we can't do all the work in the city there's too much work. Um, you know, so we helped them and and made them successful, and then made the client successful. Which then again go back back to the other question, is that helps you in your business development because it pollinates. They say, oh, Artisan came in and did those panels for you, you know, um, and it just keeps that relevance. It's interesting because what I'm hearing from you guys is that there, there's it has to be a two way street. Because if, if one company is just all about the bottom line and all about grinding for every single penny, then a partnership in, in that in the, in the way that you're describing it just isn't possible. It's not possible at all. It's like a marriage. Yeah. Think about it. If one partner's benefiting from the marriage and the other partner is not, then the marriage isn't going to last or the other partner is going to wither and die away. So it, you have to work together. What is the kind of rhythm of communication typically that you have on a project when, when, you're, when you're working on something? How, do, how does that work? Um, Ernie, I'll, I'll run with that. So we, we bid um, and we will send a set of details to, uh, to Lou, to our point of contact. He'll put numbers to it. We'll descope it, make sure it's accurate for scope, uh, scope of work, make sure we discuss details, whether it's possible or not. Just because someone draws it doesn't mean it's going to happen, um, um, and I won't use the normal the normal thing I say. Um, it's just not going to it's not going to work. So we'll come back to them and say, "Hey, this is what we have." We'll then clarify that in our bid to our customer, and if we can, we'll value engineer it. Or if we if we need to, we'll let them know that hey, you want to do that, but this is how we do it. And we kind of work through that whole process. We'll then write a PO to Minolds and and. Um, we then turn it over to our project management team because we silo all the different we silo a lot of our functions so estimation does not do project management in our mm -hmm. company estimation does estimation so we have a turnover meeting um that then goes to the project managers and then from that point the project managers will engage um Minolds, uh ernie and lou and they will get shop drawings or whatever however they decide is the best avenue of approach and and we execute the project and how would you say, yeah, go ahead, Ernie. What were you going to say to that? Um, on our end, uh, where the relationship for us and where it might be a little bit different in terms of, uh, if you want to call it, you know, an org chart of a contractor, how we find it works is um, Lou as a project manager actually came up through the trade as a CAD detailer. Um, you know, we call them CAD mm -hmm. software sketchers. So if, if, you know, Lou is showing up to a job site, you know, with to solve a problem with Artisan. Lou is showing up with his laptop, drawing in 3D that solution and, you know, can even submit that um, approved drawing to the shop from the job site. You know, go back to the shop or have, have a truck bring that piece right out. Um, that that's the one area, you know, most project managers project manage and may not. Um, create shop drawings. Um, we find, at least for this partnership and this in this relationship, and lose expertise. 
uh, we let him run with that. And it's, it only helps just solve problems in, in the drop of a hat. And what would you say is the biggest change that has occurred in your relationship since it started? How would you describe that evolution of the relationship? I, since the beginning when, you know, we first started and we had that lunch and learn and in, you know, with the, the artisan team that Ted had in on the meeting was estimators and some PMs, you know, the PMs are on site. They're going to need stuff, you know, that week. The estimators were, you know, because the relationship has, um, since it's it's now June 2023 and we started in, in spring 2021, when we first started with the estimating team, we were putting estimating prices on jobs that might have been happening a year out. Well, Artisan has won those jobs, and now we've gotten the chance to actually work on some of those larger scopes of work um, for them and performed well enough that, you know, uh, for those longer, uh, larger projects, um, that's where it's really, you know, the rubber's met, met the road, and we've been able to take off with, with Artisan because, you know, that trust in them and them and us, you know, hey, we can we can handle the larger the larger jobs. We're here to service the small stuff, um, the punch list items, the quick turnarounds. But as you go after something large, we're here to put uh, budgetary pricing yeah. and hard number, or, yeah. you know, down to hard numbers and and have that understanding that this job may not hit. You know, hey, keep us informed. You know, when we come up to Ted's office, it's hey, what's the last you heard about that job? Right. Hey, I think that's I think that's going to be hitting. Um, a few months from now, right. you know, we're, we're artisans positioned well for it. Um, you know, your, your, our numbers are really good and we know how that game works obviously. And, um, you know, that's where I've, I've really seen us just come together. Yeah. We've, um, we do a lot of budget work with our clients. Sometimes we'll work on a project for three mm -hmm. to five years. I'm in a project right now that I started on five years ago. Um, just helping architects with details, you know, uh, being invited to, you know, um, help with budget, pro uh, you know, budgetary um, exercises. Um, and again, it goes back to what I said about relevance, right? So, you know, there's been times when we bid work and, you know, other metal guys, you know, don't do good. They may not have done the right planning. And when it comes time to do that work, they're behind or late or, and, you know, sometimes it's cost me, you know, I had a project one time that the metal guy was late on, and uh, it cost me almost almost two hundred ten thousand um, dollars, right off the bottom of the the contract. So, you know, you have to be careful with that. So, but we haven't had that experience with Ernie. Um, they've they've met all their dates. They've, um, you know, because again, like contractors, like I always try to explain to like a contractor that you're buying like a capacity of my yep. shop in a set schedule That's time, right? right? And, and what contractors don't get through their head is that like, so if you're in week one and week two of the first month, you have two weeks of shop capacity, I'm selling week three and four to another contractor on another project. Well, if their project slides over, now all of a sudden I'm out of capacity, right? So they have a hard time understanding that. And so <laughs> we, everything's my fault, right? So like I build it just in time because I've discovered over, you know, 30 some years of doing this, that if I built to a contractor schedule or waited, I would go out of business. So I have to like move a lot of things around and do all these kind of things so that, you know, <clears throat> when I get in that four week window, they're locked in. That's just it. You're locked in. Once I am in that four week window, 
Um, and Ernie, Ernie works really well. He understands that too. And he runs his organization kind of the same way and understands what his capacity is. Um, a lot of people don't do that. Hey, we, and it's, it's unique to both our trades to have shop, shops like we do um, in terms of, you know, I'm, this isn't a dig at any other trade, but, you know, we, we both carry shop burdens. Um, we both carry lots and lots of equipment compared to other trades within our shops. Um, the amount, I could say for our own capacity, the amount of work that we do with Artisan we've, has allowed us to, to run a night shift. You know, if we're going to laser cut something um, that's very unique for, for artisan and something could burn on the laser for a few hours, we're not going to eat up our eight-hour day um, from 7 a.m. to 3.30. We can put that on night shift and let that baby burn. And we've been running a night shift for uh, almost 14 weeks now. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, it's Thanks, interesting Dad. because the, the way you guys are describing it here, it's important when you're forming these partnerships, not just to have the cultural fit where there's a, you know, a willing, willingness to ha be transparent and for everyone to make a, you know, their fair profit, but also an operational fit in terms of the way that you, you both operate your businesses. Because if there's a misfit there, then despite all the best intentions, the partnership may not work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we had talked about it. We we don't have, uh, you know, we haven't reworked our mission statement in a long, long time. But I was joking with Ted. I think if we were to, our mission statements would would come out very, very similar. Um, Ted cares deeply about the people that that work for him, as do we do. As we do, um, you know, I try to, you know, it's a family business, and I think it's kind of cheap to sometimes say we, we treat you all like family but my well, the way I try to work and everything is just so that they at least feel that feeling nothing I ever try to say but it's more of a feeling we, you know we your had workforce a, feels when treated the right we way we had a cornhole competition for at lunchtime um, a couple weeks ago and I mean this I was so shocked at how everybody wanted to play cornhole, right? So people get T-shirts and hats, and they're coming out. And we got this team and that team, and and you know, I always go back to what one of my first company commanders told me. He said, "Look, listen, laugh, but do not participate." Mm. So I just kind of chilled back, and I was like watching. I had this blanket out on the yard and outside, out front of the shop, and I was laying, like, kind of sitting on the blanket and watching everybody have fun and laugh and. And uh, my wife sat next to me. She goes, isn't this great? Isn't this great? And I'm like, this is wonderful, honey. Like, it was her idea. Like, she, she's, my wife has a master's degree in corporate organizational psychology. <laughs> so she's a really good, she is, she's a really good um, confidant, you know. And I looked at her and I said, just what I want you to remember is that we're responsible for everybody that we're watching have fun, all their families and everything. That's what I see. You know, everybody else sees the laughter and the fun. I see the, I see the responsibility. You know, it's daunting. So you you have an obligation to work towards that. And I think Manolds has the same kind of, the same kind of attitude about their people. Yeah. So that would that would really uh, make the emphasis on the need for having those types of partnerships because that would that removes a lot of the friction that many businesses experience as a result of being in sort of adversarial relationships with the people they do business with. Well, think about it, Eric. Like he said, he had to start a second shift. Like, so now, like I took it as like, ooh, like now I have to make sure that he can maintain that second mm. shift. 
You see what I'm saying? Like, I take that as a response. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but like, maybe that's why my hair is all white. I still have it, but it's white, you know. But the point is, is like, you know, I, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But like, that guy that's working on that second shift now, you know, that all kind of, we all work together and that provides that livelihood for that person. And that's a responsibility, man. Like, that's a burden. That's like, so it's interesting. Um, Maybe that translates to the other relief I had. Going, going back to what you were saying earlier, Ernie, it, it sounds like to, to build this this partnership, there has to be that willingness to be transparent. There has to be a cultural fit, the willingness uh, or the, the operational fit. But then it sounded like when you first started working with Artisan, you guys were willing to start small, provide numbers, maybe do smaller projects, and then build that relationship over time. Did I hear that correctly? Um, more just you know, the duration, like, you know, the flow of the construction, the PMs were going to call us for small metal work just because mm -hmm. that was stuff they needed, you know, ASAP. Um, and obviously we were actually brought in at a time that these jobs are, are hitting now. Um, but it took time, you know, for us providing pricing to the, to the artisans estimating department for those jobs to actually come to fruition okay. artisan to earn them and, and to get the contracts and get on site. Um, it, so it wasn't a purposeful more just, you know, how when we started, you know, we got, you know, they realized what they can use us for, what they can kick over our way to provide pricing on, and just the larger jobs, the bigger scope stuff, took time to come to fruition. Yeah, that that's normal, right? You know, but like I, I gotta, yeah. like I'm gonna, I'm gonna toot Lou's horn because Lou is dynamic, he's smart, he's energetic, he's honest, he's he fits right in. Like that was so important because like. When we sat and we talked, you guys came up and did that lunch and learn. I was like, if everything you're saying is true, <laughs> this is going to be like, this, oh, my God, I stepped in it. You know what I mean? It made the whole GBCA like membership and everything worth, you know, right off the bat, just hooking, hooking the two companies. That's terrific. Up. So as, as we're wrapping up here, gentlemen, Ernie, you give us give us your two or three bullet points that you would want the audience to take away fr uh, from the from the discussion here in terms of building partnerships with other companies. Yeah, I would say take a look, take a one, analyze what associations, organizations you're already a member of, you know, in your local area, at the national level if you can, um, but start in your local area and just, you know, what are we a part of locally? And whether that's construction specific or not, to be honest, um, but, you know, in your, within your own trade, you know, how are you developing relationships and everything? Um, is really for us, you know, why this came to be in terms of, you know, hey, we've been kind of spinning our wheels going to the same events for years, you know. And, yeah, some of our project managers have customer relationships and, you know, they run into people or hear stuff through the grapevine or maybe cold call an old customer after not hearing them for a while. But what events are you going to and, and how are you bumping into people and pro providing yourself the opportunity to actually meet new people, have new conversations, you know, learn about the work in your area and, you know, how it's, how it's being awarded. Yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent. Ted, what about, what about you? What are, what are some, some key insights or key bullets that we can take away in terms of building those partnerships? Well, you know, you have to share, share responsibility like, and share accountability with the people that you work with. So that means you're accountable to them um, regardless of whether they're your sub or not. You have to have that attitude to set them up 
for success and enable them, enable them to be successful. Um, that's really important to me. Um, and they have to have the same concern for you back. So it goes back to that two way road and, um, culturally you have to align yourself with people. So if you want to maintain a relevancy, um, and, 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 and be that person that people seek out, you need to find those kind of people to align yourself with so that you can bring that team that's needed to make your client successful. Um, and just someone that leans forward, you know, someone that's not afraid to get out there and try something. That's that's so important because so many people are risk adverse, and in everything we do, no one wants to assume any risk. Um, it's you don't you know you're gonna get like I said you're gonna get bloody nose if you're if you box. Yep. Yeah. So those are those are three key points I'm I'm taking away from the conversation. Number one, there's got to be a cultural fit. Number two, there's got to be an operational fit. And then lastly, there's got to be a strategic fit in terms of the types of markets that you're playing in, the types of customers you want to do business with. And if those three things are in place and there's enough of a relationship there where you're willing to share risk on on a project, then that can be a strong foundation for building those relationships and maintaining those partnerships going forward. Agreed. Excellent. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here today. I appreciate your insights, and um, I do wish you the uh, continued success as you guys uh, partner together on other projects. Thank you. And thank you for... Thanks, Eric. Yeah, Eric, thank you. And Ernie, thank you for everything you do for us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Right back at you, Ted. Hi, this is Eric. Thank you again for listening to Smackna's New Horizons Foundation podcast series. And I know this conversation with Ted and Ernie was tremendously beneficial. And our hope is that you will take this information and use it to build strong partnerships with the other companies that you do business with, and that those partnerships would have a positive impact upon your organization and your bottom line. Feel free to check out the other episodes in the New Horizons Foundation podcast series. There's a tremendous amount of value in each one of them. They're designed specifically to help you to run a successful business. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.